The Medallion, Chapter 32 How many Rakash are following us? Corvin whispered. Zark shook his head. No, not Rakash. He pointed to the opposite side of the room. We will go that way. The lizard led him into a narrow alley and disappeared behind a crumbled piece of wall. A scrabble of claws and loud hissing erupted from behind the wall, then silence. Corvin crept in closer and peered over the top of the broken bricks. Zark was trussed up in a thin rope, his arms pinned to his sides. Around him stood three smaller lizards, one with his claw pointed at Zark's neck. When it saw Corvin, it hissed and poked its claw deeper into Zark's scales. Do not be alarmed, sir, Zark spoke, and the three creatures fell back in astonishment. They do not mean any harm. I think they are here to help us, but they are afraid and unsure of what to do. The largest one hissed at Corvin, pointing eagerly over a high pile of bricks before scuttling over the top. They want us to go with them because it is too dangerous here. Rakash scouts are heading this way. Zark bent his disfigured long claw all the way back and neatly severed the ropes that bound him. The other lizards jumped back. Corvin rounded the wall. Where are they taking us? We need to find Gavin first. They want to find a safe place to hide. It will be best if we go with them. Can you ask them if they've seen my father or Gavin? I will try, but it is hard to get difficult questions across. Their communication is very limited. Zark turned and directed a series of hisses and clicks at the two remaining lizards. The larger one bobbed its head, hissed in return, then pointed between the piles of rubble and bounded toward a gap. Zark shrugged at Corvin and turned to follow. They skirted the rubble piles through a gap in the wall and entered another winding street. The largest of the lizards ran ahead, poking its nose around corners, clicking and gesturing for them to follow. Corvin caught up to Zark. Why can't I understand what these ones are saying? They speak only hoaxa. They have never received a pure elixir to enlighten them and allow them to communicate anything beyond base feelings of fear and hunger. He glanced up at Corvin. Like the dog on the story box at Kate's house, the one called Lassie. These ones only feel that you should not be out here where it is so dangerous. I believe they are taking us to others of your kind. Corvin turned the thought over as they moved through the shattered buildings. The elixir Tsarek referred to must be incredibly potent if it could turn these animals into... He searched for the right term for what Sark was to him and could only come up with one, a person. He studied the back of Sark's head and thought back to when he was younger and their family had a border collie. It felt like the dog could understand what he was saying but lacked the ability to communicate back to him. That must be what the Lumian juice did for Sark, let him communicate back. Yet for humans, it did the opposite and turned them into animals, into Rakash. He wiped a hand over his brow. If the chamber place was right about him... He was going the same way. The streets were becoming more distinct and the buildings smaller and wider apart. The lizards leading them sprinted ahead and were lost beneath the dark shadows of an overhang ledge at the cavern wall. The ground was clear here and patches of the glowing moss ringed the edges of shallow pools. Zark stayed away from the water and Corvin followed suit, carefully watching where his feet were going. Zark stopped before a solid wall of long vines stretching down from the ledge overhead. Corvin reached out, but Sark knocked his hand away. Do not touch. It will make your skin bubble and burn off your body. A nasty way to die. Oh, I neglected to tell you. There are some of these in the cave where your old woman lives. You must warn her. Where? In the cave where you left the core with Kate. They sealed it up, but the old woman who helped you didn't make it out in time. I saw her in Molokar when I came down the water after I escaped the Volusk. Sarah is trapped in the settlement? The only way she can escape is through the water, but it's much deeper now. His voice trailed off as he looked to where the curtain of vines curved around to meet the cavern wall. These vines were planted here, 
but I think to keep the rakash out and not somebody in. He used his long claw to gingerly pull one strand away from the rest. For the rakash, these vines are too thin to see. Beyond the vine, a twisted pile of bones lay next to a human skull that grimaced as if it were still in agony. They don't get very far. Beyond the bones, a shadow flickered among the swaying vines. The small ones of my kind can run between the strands, Stark said. Look, they are opening the way for us. The vines ahead of them parted as more of the small lizards held them back with their claws. Sark moved into the gap with Corvin staying close behind him. Stepping over the skull, Corvin had to wonder if they were being led into a trap. A glimmer of light shone through the glistening strands as they neared the back wall of the cavern. A rough opening had been cut into the wall and Corvin followed the lizards inside. Sark was standing under a small lumion. Watch this, sir. It is very ingenious. As Sark stepped past the light, it went dark and another ahead of him grew brighter. These ones sense your movement as you pass. We are being welcomed, he smiled wryly. Or maybe they are warning someone we are coming. Where are they getting the power if all of the Lumians in this city are dead? Zark let out a hissing chuckle that echoed down the tunnel. They are stealing it from Anamir City. A thick vine branched off the main power source that feeds into the gatehouse and followed the water here into Kate Elba. I pulled myself along it when I went back to Anamir against the current. I wondered at the time where it went as I could feel the power flowing through it. Whoever lives behind the vines has tapped into Anamir's power and is using it for their own purposes. It is very clever. They entered a round chamber and a door closed over the tunnel behind them, sealing off the only exit. As they walked in under the dome ceiling, Corbin picked up the rasp of shallow breathing. He held his own breath to listen, and the noise stopped but was replaced by the click of Sark's claws and the shallow hiss of the lizard's breath. Looking up, he drew in a long whistling breath that echoed back to his own ears. The dished roof overhead was a reflector that amplified every noise. The sounds grew even louder as they approached the center of the floor. A high-pitched squeal, like one of those toy whistles only dogs could hear, filled the room. Corvin reached to cover his ears, but Sark jabbed his leg and nodded his head slightly upward. Corvin glanced overhead and caught a glimpse of movement behind a narrow slit in the ceiling. The pitch and volume increased, and Corvin winced, glad he didn't have any Lumian energy in his ears to make them even more sensitive. This had to be a test to see if they were rakash, as this noise would drive them insane. The sound ended abruptly and the room plunged into darkness. A sudden whoosh of escaping air popped his ears as an arched doorway opened up across the chamber. Sark passed him and headed for the light. The new corridor was intersected by passages coming in from all directions. The jumble of tunnels would have been impossible to negotiate, but each time they arrived at an intersection, a Lumian farther down one of the tunnels would glow, telling them which way to turn. Sark chuckled again. It is ingenious, sir. No doubt these other tunnels lead into traps. Only those that can see the lights would make it safely through. Much planning has gone into creating a system to keep the Rakash out. Corvin followed along. The problem with Sark's theory was that people who ate Lumian hearts could sense the power in Lumians even if they could not see the light. Reaching up, he touched one of the Lumian bulbs. The small globes lacked any power of their own and were only using whatever energy flowed through the vines. They passed beneath the stone lintel of a wide door and entered a large room hewn out of the rock. Rough squared pillars on all sides of the room supported a balcony that ran around the perimeter. Emerging from beneath it, Corvin caught sight of a thick net strung below the dome ceiling like a gargantuan spider's web. Rope ladders hung suspended above the web from hooks in the ceiling where someone was painting the same faces he had seen in the library of Kadir. The paintings were only partly complete, but somehow the faces appeared more angry than the ones in Kadir. A ring of light strung around the base of the dome brightened. 
Our colony is the only surviving remnant of what was once the great city of Cateelba, but we will not allow ourselves to forget who we once were. A man in a faded cloak stood in a doorway at the far end of the room. Zark slipped in behind Corvin and whispered, Do not call me by my name. I do not talk. He jabbed Corvin sharply in the thigh to make his point. The man crossed the floor toward them and gestured overhead. You cannot move toward your future unless you can point to your past. When people abandon their culture, they may as well remain in the darkness. He pointed to the side wall where a lone table sat next to a section of niches set into the wall. Most of our books were burned for light as our city died, but our colony has salvaged enough to teach our children about our history. He stopped in front of Corvin and Sarek, looking back and forth between them. Your guide has the appearance of one of the watchers, but we understood they faded away, all except for the chief watcher of Kadir. This one is not the chief watcher, Corvin said firmly. The chief watcher died when he tried to hold the hammer. Ah, yes, I have heard reports to that end. Who does this watcher serve? This one is my guide. Like those that helped us through the vines outside, he travels with me. The man nodded, turned his head, and clicked his tongue. The lizard that held its claw to Tsarek's neck and the runes came running in from under the balcony. The man clicked out a question. The lizard responded and then scampered into the shadows. The man studied Tsarek. My own guide indicates that yours is capable of human speech? Corvin shrugged. The man continued. Perhaps they are mistaken. They have never heard any of their kind speak human language before. The small lizard reappeared, ran up to the man and crouched down behind him. The man turned toward the shadows at the end of the room and waited. An ancient lizard limped out of the shadows. Sarek stepped out from behind Corvin and ran forward to bow before the creature. The old lizard laid a twisted paw on Sarek's head and spoke in a creaky voice. So, Sarek, you have not faded away like the rest. I am glad I am not the only one of us left. There are none of their kind left who understand our tongue, and without the pure elixir I have lost my ability to speak theirs. This man's counterpart has tried to assist by creating a potion of her own, but it is not safe. Do not accept what he offers you. Sark lifted his head and spoke. The keeper of the gate has an elixir he is using to create his rakash. I was beginning to fade away, so I took a small drink. It helped for a short time, but it was created for the humankind. Now I am very tired. I fear I do not have long before I will regress. Yes, there is only one left who has the pure potion we both need but I would rather fade away than serve that one. Sark nodded toward the man standing next to Corvin. Do you serve this man now? I serve no one, the old lizard said. These people believe me to be the oldest of the guides. They do not know I was a watcher for one of the great leaders of the council. This man only knows that I am different, but he and I cannot communicate other than in Hoxha. It is the only way they can direct the lower creatures to do their bidding. The leathery face glanced over to Corvin and the man. Come with me, Tsarek. We are causing your companion a measure of distress over this long conversation. Let us leave and continue our talk elsewhere. There is much to tell you of what has happened in Cateelba and how this new colony came to be. Tsarek glanced at Corvin with a question on his face. Corvin gave a small nod and Tsarek and his ancient companion left the hall followed by an entourage of smaller lizards. As the troop of reptiles disappeared through a door, Corvin looked up to find the man studying him. You can understand their speech. It was not a question, Corvin nodded, and speak it. Corvin nodded again, but found himself wondering if it was true. He came to understand Sark's language after having the hammer with him, but he didn't need to learn to speak Sark's language. His mouth could never make all those clicking noises correctly. 
It was Sarek who could understand and speak human language, but the lizard didn't want this man to know. Then you are the one we have been waiting for. I understand you saved the life of one of our young women who went foolishly into Kate Elba with three of our rebellious males. It is good you have joined us in our fight against the Rakash. I came here to rescue my father. They took him from our home and are holding him in the large building in the center of the Rakash domes. The man nodded. Then we must work together. To rescue him, you will need to get past the entire Rakash army, and I can make that possible. He pointed above at the painter's net overhead. It's like taking on a nest of Entosk spiders. You cannot kill them one at a time or they will all swarm and kill you. You must find the main thread that is still attached to their central feeder and set it on fire. It will burn straight to their queen and eliminate her. The rest will die in confusion, unable to do anything without their leader. Come, I will show you how you can destroy the entire nest at one time. Corvin followed him over to a table that sat in front of the short section of wall lined with scrolls. Movement off to the right caught Corvin's eye and he looked over expecting to see Tsarek returning. Instead, he saw a young girl hiding behind one of the support columns. Ah, yes, this is the one. The man spread out a stained old parchment on the table and weighed the corners down with smooth black discs. Corvin touched the brittle edge. There is a library full of scrolls up in Kadir. We were informed it was destroyed by the chief watcher. No, it only appears that way on the outside. The inside is still intact, except where the water rose to the floor and ruined a lot of the scrolls. That is just one more reason why we must stop the Rakash invasion of Kadir. Kadir is our last hope to preserve the true history of the Corps. We cannot expect help from the Gatehouse or Anamir City. They only care about their own survival. He was about to say something more, but instead pointed at the parchment. Let me show you what must be done. On the parchment was a map of a city laid out in straight lines, not at all like the circles of Kadir. Kate Elba was an important city before the Great Destruction, and with the Rakash clearing space for their camp, it is difficult to find where things used to be. This, he pointed to a larger rectangle in the center of the map, this was the greatest library of the Corps, but now it is surrounded by Rakash mounds that they have built from the rubble to stay warm and wait for their next portion of the elixir. He tapped a map. That elixir is stored here, in a pool in the middle of the library. So you need to destroy the pool? No, the gatekeeper would only starve them of his potion until he could manufacture more, making them more desperate and dangerous, especially to our colony. They know we are here, but so far they ignore us and avoid our traps. Deprived of their drug, there is no telling what they might do. We need to get inside the library and poison the pool. Then, when all the Rakash receive their allotted portion of the liquid, they will all die.